Come on, focus. On this episode of the Nerd Brand Podcast, we're focusing on how often we can say focus. Welcome back to the Nerd Brand Podcast. We're with Chris Bombright of Curiosity Consulting. Chris has a passion for learning and helping other businesses figure things out by finding the right information and making sense of it for them. I read that off your site. I do that for everybody. So if you ever come on the show and you're like, that's not what I do. That's not my fault. That's close enough. <laughs> it's like closest. It only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, it, Chris. It was, it was on the internet. <laughs> It's got to be true. I was going to be really bummed if I didn't hear that intro music. <laughs> yeah, I have to do it live. But the funny thing is, we'll see how this uh, comes out because they made some improvements here to the studio. So I've had to cut the music out and then recut it in because when I reduce background noise because of the way the studio is built, I have to like do that because it, it messes up the music. So I've got to fix it every time. It's kind of annoying, but it's like hopefully this time it'll be fine. That's Anyways, what, that's what we call inside baseball. Yeah. <laughs> so I am your host, Jason Davis. I'm here with Michaela Meek from Nerd Brand. Um, Jonathan Payne almost made it to this show. Almost. And he is not off the show for those listening, because I know that you miss him. Uh, he misses you, too. Uh, Mitch also is not here with us today, because Mitch is deciding the fate of someone as a member of 12 <laughs> in a jury. And that's all we know. That's what he told me. And as his employer, I'm going to choose to believe him. Personally, I think he's at a lake. <laughs> Likely stories. Yeah. You articulated that so well. <laughs> Thank you. I try really hard because Michaela's got, uh, she's, her background's in communications. And so if I screw something up, I get, I look, I check her all the time to look and see like, did I screw, did I, am I screwing up? If you Is see that... the Scarlet O'Hara brow, oh, that's that when it? you know you messed up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's three, four lines. That's that show pertaining up. to everybody. <laughs> Frankly, my dear. <laughs> I don't give up. <laughs> so, but anyway, so before we were going to discuss about um, focus groups because uh, Mitch doesn't like them because he's a Malcolm Gladwell fan. And uh, you, however, are have a different take on that. So we're going to have to probably come back to that because I've been talking about that with some of our audience and they're like, ooh, I want to hear Mitch and Chris go at it. And I'm like, not Today, I have so. never met a creative in 30 years of doing research that likes focus, focus groups at all. Um, yeah, I believe that. Because all they have to do one time is hear that their baby's ugly, and then all bets are off. Yeah. The thing that I appreciate about Mitch is, as creative director, when dealing with creatives, is that he's able to communicate with them in a way where he can tell them their baby is ugly, and they not get mad. Mm-hmm. Um, I can speak on his behalf that his, I know his beef with focus groups, it, it makes sense. It's not something that I think is uh, I think it's painting with a broad brush. Mitch might get mad at me for saying this, but it's like, you know, it, it's sort of one, they are necessary, but two, how they're run is more important than what they are. Well, they're often often used incorrectly at the wrong point in the process. And that gives them a bad name. Yeah. So at a high level, what do you do, Chris? Well, uh today I climb steps after <laughs> trying to find a parking spot. <laughs> Uh, okay. I have. Uh, I am a research geek, so you know, nerd brand and a research geek, Nerdvana, hmm. here today. Um, I have a master's in market research, so 
I started my career in the automotive business, doing research on cars for Ford Motor Company, and then moved over to um, boats with Bass Pro Shops, and then beverage alcohol with Brown Foreman here in Louisville. So I've done every kind of research possible from personal interviews to focus groups to surveys, you name it, any kind of research, any kind of information that needs to be gathered for a particular issue to inform a business to help them make better decisions. That's what I do. Yeah, I, uh, I, I appreciate the work that you do because um, we're often brought to the table always to diagnose and solve a problem. But many times the diagnosis has been has been made in a vacuum and it's not really the, you know, it's not really the issue. It takes a little bit more time to kind of dive in and figure that out. My microphone keeps like slouching like I do, I guess. I don't know. Maybe it's it has like, bad posture. It does. It has bad posture. because keeps your like, wing nut. Yeah, I got to fix the wing nut. People don't like that. If you don't, hey, for the listeners out there who may disagree with me, uh, a wing nut is a thing, and you're free to comment about that on our social pot. It's like, <laughs> it's like a wingman, but like the, the person's crazy. Like, oh, that's the wing nut. You gotta look out for it. I resemble that remark, as I said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, one of the things that we got to talking about a while back was uh, I, I'm, I love history, uh, you love business history. And you brought some some stuff today to share with us about certain brands and then in history and how they had to pivot. Yeah, the it's really caught my attention during the pandemic, especially because everybody's freaking out. You know, I think all of us freaked out at the very beginning when everything started closing down. But then it became like a little bit of a neurosis and. You know, history always repeats itself. So I wanted to go back and just look at. How did businesses survive back in 1918 when there was the Spanish flu kind of pandemic that lasted a long time because they didn't have all the resources that we do now. So I started digging up stories and sharing things of um, how businesses started during that time or ones that just before that time, how they managed their business through that. And there was all sorts of interesting stories that I found related to that. Um, and then I'm I'm weird. I go I go back and look at things like, um, well, how did how did paper survive when computers came out, you know, um, and everything started going digital? Or how did radio survive when TV came out? You know, how did it evolve? Because all of these stories give a lesson in um, kind of what I do and what I tell my clients they should be doing, which is continuous learning. You always got to be understanding what's going on in the marketplace, how you need to evolve as a business and um, the things you might need to do to improve. So one of those things was Dixie cups. <laughs> I, I found this story on Dixie cups and uh, they were started in 1907, actually called health cups. <laughs> That's what irony. <laughs> it was funny because in 1907, there was nothing going on, but the founders thought, you know, at the time, the practice was they had these tin cups that you would just dip in a bowl or a bucket or whatever, and hundreds of people would drink out of them. So he was like, there's got to be a better way. That, also uh, more sanitary. Yeah, yeah. A little bit more sanitary. <laughs> that's what I'm like saying. That's a little yeah. bit ironic. So it yeah. came out with health cups and, you know, it was a huge flop. You know, they didn't really have any traction of any sort. They, they came up with some dispensers. That was how they originally tried to get some revenue with, well, if we can get the dispensers into companies, then at least we'll have recurring revenue when they have to reorder cups. Mm -hmm. 
So that's how they were surviving up until the Spanish flu. And then obviously they became a real hot commodity. And that's when they changed over to, to Dixie cups and uh, evolved with the market as to having disposable stuff. And that's when all the interesting disposable things started coming out that we now know and love like Kleenex (laughs) (laughs) and all those things related to, to sanitation and health so um, there's all sorts of interesting stories you can find. Yeah, well, Dixie Cups is like one of those brands that um, it's kind of like you mentioned Kleenex. You know, you kind of, it, it's a cup. It's made out of paper or plastic. People could still, they still refer to it as a Dixie Cup, even though it's not a Dixie or Cup. A, or a solo cup. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah, they kind of are self-defined brands like Kleenex. Nobody mm-hmm. says, hey, hand me a Puffs. What? That that obviously wasn't the end of the story because they're still around um, and it's still a brand. But, you know, even after the the pandemic uh, in 1918 and the war, um, after that was all finished and all those people come back and then you start having this big boom, you know, um, to further evolve their business, they started partnering with soda fountains and they had um, like, ice cream in a Dixie cup. They made smaller, shorter versions that they could sell huh. to, to those kinds of things. So it's a matter, it's just a lesson in how you continually evolve the business based on the market. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the big thing was during the pandemic, everybody was like, got to pivot, which everybody, I just saw like friends, you know, mm-hmm. and pivot. <laughs> got to couch up the steps. Pivot. <laughs> it's more about paying attention than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Because, and I, I know you and I have talked about this. I'm constantly amazed at how many people don't really understand who's buying from them. Um, you know, the the standard answer is, well, who's your customer? Millennials. Yeah, it's always that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. All yeah. 80 million of them in the United States oh, are buying really from It really narrows it down. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> why, do you, why do you need my help if you have all that business? Yeah, there's a, there's a few businesses I've run across. Like a while back, I just did a... Um, conference for a nonprofit um, leadership conference and the presentation was on podcasting and podcasting is not something that needs to be, in my opinion, if you're a nonprofit or small business overthought, Uh, it may seem like it, like this is your first exposure to like how we do it Um, and looking at the equipment, like typically this stuff will just stay in the studio, but we do lug it around in a fun way during harvest homecoming in new Albany. Um, it does feel very official. Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) we, uh, you know, I was telling these nonprofits, they were asking one guy was like, well, we did a podcast and, uh, we just didn't get a lot of traction out of it. And we were sharing stories and having people come on that we work with and da, 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 da. And I was like, you know, sitting there, it's so very hard sometimes for me to not say like, you maybe you shouldn't have done that or that was boring, you know, and that's why you didn't get any traction. Uh Oh yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you can't be boring when you do this. You gotta be a little bit, li- you gotta be a lively and entertaining in a way. And, um, should we start over? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you haven't noticed that listening to this, Chris is very subdued and very like quiet and everything. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like, so chill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, you had like four flights of stairs and, uh, you know, another two over at the parking garage. So that's uh, a that, great human interaction in between. Oh, yeah. 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 Peoples are out. Lots of peoples are out that normally aren't out. Yeah, because apparently COVID's over. Yeah. Everyone can come out now. Yeah. It's yeah. like little munchkins and munchkins. <laughs> <laughs> we are the Midnight. <laughs> 
Sorry, and, I wasn't and this is where it went <laughs> off the tracks. Yeah, for those that listen to the show on a regular basis, that's where like, and we've hit the point where it goes off the rails. <laughs> it's usually me. I, I cause it. Yeah. I shoot everyone in the foot. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not good about keeping it on the rails. Like, that's what John and Mitch are for, and mm-hmm. they're not here. So, there we go. <laughs> it's an adver- advertisement of who you are, right? So... Uh, I, I start conversations with potential clients or partners often by asking them uh, if they've spent any time around a four-year-old. <laughs> um, interesting. And I, You're going to have to lay that one out because that is interesting. Yes, do tell. Because those are the kids that ask you why after you say everything. Mm-hmm. And if they have spent time around a four-year-old and can tolerate that and have patience for that, We'll get along great because I'm the 52-year-old version of that four-year-old. I ask why relentlessly. And, um, you know, good clients are the ones that are willing to learn. They may have a fixed position, but they're open. Um, open. The ones who want me to prove a point, I just, um, I'll refer them to somebody else because I'm not into proving points. I'm into defining facts. And, and we're done. <laughs> Which we kind of are, actually. <laughs> of course we are. <laughs> but uh, we appreciate having you on, Chris. I, I'm sorry right. we didn't get to, you know, debate uh, with our creative director about uh, focus groups. But you know what? There's always another time. For another day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I will look forward to that conversation. Yeah, yeah, I know. Mitch, is, Mitch really is regretful that he's not able to be here. And again, Jonathan is regretful. I got a really sorrowful text message from him. It's hilarious, but he he is working on something that it's very important. He finished by Monday, so it has given me a bit of a complex. I will just tell you, for what they were supposed to be here, and then you told me this uh, morning they're not coming, and yeah. I, I just think it's all about me. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> I think you just need to kind of be like, well, I'm glad you guys could not feel important enough to show up. <laughs> I guess you guys just hate me. <laughs> That's what I was thinking, especially after dealing with that guy. I mean, I showered and everything. I don't know. (laughs) I did. Anyways, if you enjoyed this episode of the NerdBrand podcast, you can go check it out at nerdbrandagency.com slash podcast. You can subscribe to this show on Spotify, Apple uh, Podcasts. I almost said iTunes. It's Apple Podcasts now. And then Google Podcasts and yeah, 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 yeah. Pick your app and just go there and you'll find us. We're, we're pretty much uh, distributed everywhere. Chris, tell the peoples where they can find you. They can find me at curiosity-consulting.com. All right. And there you go. And uh, Chris. Or on LinkedIn. Yeah. And Chris is an approachable guy. Uh, he, he's also a, a guy that uh, shares in our chemistry of like uh, the WTF face. And so if that happens, then, well, you know, it's okay. He's not mad. It's just, we'll just keep going. We'll get past it. So. <laughs> this was great. Thanks for having me. <laughs> well, appreciate you being on here. Yeah, so I want to let everybody know out there, we appreciate your listening and we'll tune in next week. And remember, keep your nerd brand strong.